Now, when I was in high school and I had religion class, I would read passages like this, and I would just go back to the student sitting next to me, and I was at a boys high, all boys high school till my senior year, they combined. But I'd end up talking about wrestling or football or something else, because I was like, ah, that doesn't make any sense to me. When in the surface, these passages may seem a bit confusing, but when you look at them, they're actually very simple. <clears throat> now, what's going on here is that the people wanted a sign um, from this one named Jesus who con uh, contends he's of heavenly origin. Okay, you say you are, show us. Everything is always about show us, and this is what's going on. Now, they desired to see God work a miracle, but you've heard me say many times before, the greatest of all miracles are not some miraculous healing or as great as those are, the greatest single miracle on earth is what happens every day here on this altar. A simple piece of bread and wine becoming the actual body and blood. And there are scientific evidences to show it's true. Now, God shows himself, as I said, as the intelligent designer of the universe. All you have to do is look outside and you can see there's got to be a guiding hand. For instance, if the earth was tilted even one degree off of the axis it's on, we would all cease to exist. It just amazing the order of things. Now, Jesus calls the Jews evil and adulterous. Does that mean that they were all sleeping around with people other than their wives? No, that's not what adulterous meant. Taking adultery meant that you weren't faithful to God. You went about having these other gods. Our gods of the world today, you know, sex, money, power, we've talked about that. Now, the Bible that we've also talked about is a marriage. This is God is the husband, we are the bride. God is the groom, the church is the bride. So basically Israel was unfaithful. Now before the church, it was Israel. So now we say Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride. But back then it was God as the husband and Israel as the wife or the spouse and that Israel has now become the church. Now, Israel was unfaithful, gave her love to other idols, so she was said to be adulterous. That's why Jesus says this adulterous generation. It's actually worse than physical adultery out of weakness. Not condoning that, but do you know, sins of weakness are not the most serious sins. Sins of pride, and malice are considered by our faith. Now, what's going on here is in a sin of pride, there's infidelity, turning to other gods. So basically, Jesus says to them, so you're asking for a sign, huh? Yeah, this is what Jesus is basically saying. I'm God's sign. You're looking at him, but you don't see it. This is what he's saying. So now he brings up, the people of Nineveh. Now, uh, where is Nineveh? Modern day Iraq. Interesting, because Christianity began in the lands of the Middle East. God bless those Christians over there right now that are being so persecuted. I hope in your daily prayer 
You remember these 100,000 people every year that lose their life for our Christian faith, the persecuted Christians, especially in the Middle East. All right, so the people in Nineveh, where Jonah went, is modern-day Iraq. And basically, they recognize God's warning in Jonah. He's basically saying, repent. That's why the passage that JP is going to read in the diary was a passage where Jesus says, tell my priest to tell the people to repent. So your priests are your modern day Jonah. So I'm basically trying to say, repent, because this is the message. Now in Nineveh, they listened. All right. Then here comes the queen of the south. Who's the queen of the south? Queen of Sheba. That is modern-day Yemen, also now um, in control of the Muslims. It now, she said, or Jesus said, that she recognized God's wisdom in Solomon. Now, Jesus says, though, in me, there is come to you a greater wisdom than Solomon ever had. Me. I'm wisdom itself. I'm walking embodiment of what wisdom is. This is who Christ is. So in me is something greater than Jonah, something greater than wisdom itself and Solomon. But these people don't get it. Then he goes on to say that these old people in Nineveh and um, the Queen of Sheba recognize these signs. You don't, so they will judge you. You never remember when you were a kid, if you were the one that scored uh, the highest test scores, or you were the one that was the all-star athlete, they would pick you to be like maybe a captain or something like that. And then you would get to pick the teams. This is basically what Jesus is saying. He's saying Jonah and Sheba, they saw it. So they're the captains and they're going to now be the judge of you. They're going to pick you or not as being faithful. Now, Jesus' greatest sign that they're going to miss is the resurrection and on the third day. Now, Jonah was in the whale for three days. I think this is fascinating. So Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights in the stomach, it says, of a big fish. So not necessarily a whale. could have been a shark. It could be a big fish. So Jonah and the fish may be explained because it's possible. Do you know science say that actually inside a sperm whale, this could happen. You could survive. And they've proven sperm whales used to be in the Mediterranean before the Romans killed them all, before they hunted them. Now, <clears throat> here's what's funny, because there actually was a story that of a man right here in Massachusetts in 1891, and his name was James Bartley. And this is this is a story that was in the newspapers at the time that he was swallowed by a sperm whale and was inside the sperm whale for 36 hours before they were able to harpoon it and literally cut the whale open. And this guy was still alive. Now, I'm sure we can find some way to say that probably didn't happen, but it was in all the newspapers. It was widely reported back in 1891, and he's in Gloucester, I think, Massachusetts or somewhere, but his gravestone says, here lies James Bartley, the modern day Jonah. Actually says it on his tombstone, right here in Massachusetts, swallowed by a whale. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's interesting. 
And Jonah as well was in the whale and he basically came out alive. He was basically dead. Now he comes out alive. This is how Jesus would do it. He basically in the tomb would be dead and he'll come back out alive. This is the miracle. Jesus is going to be saying, listen, you haven't seen any. You don't recognize me yet. But the biggest miracle of all is yet to come. And either you're going to get it or you, are, you won't. And this is what he's preparing them for. So basically, Jesus is saying um, that he would die for three days and he would become alive again. Now, I always like to point this out because this is a, one of the things people get confused. It says Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights. Why does it say that? Okay. Jesus was only in the tomb Friday and Saturday night, right? So if Jesus was crucified on Friday afternoon, Good Friday, he was in the tomb Friday night. Then he was also in the tomb Saturday night and he resurrected Sunday morning. Two nights. Where do you get three nights? All right. In the Jewish tradition, whenever you spoke of time, it was always put together. Three days and three nights or whatever it was because Jesus was dead for a portion of three days. He was dead for the portion of Friday, which was in the afternoon when he was crucified. He was dead for Saturday, and he was dead for a portion of Sunday in the wee hours of the morning before the resurrection. So technically, Jesus was dead for part of three days. That is in the Jewish tradition, if you had any part of something. So basically, if you started a project at 10 p.m. at night on a, on a Friday night and you ended at 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, the Jews would say that it took you two days. Even for us in America, we wouldn't even say it took a day. It took a couple hours. But if you were there portion of a day, the Jews would say it's a day. So Jesus being dead portion of Friday, Saturday, and the resurrecting Sunday morning, that's where we come up with three days. The term three nights just always went around with three days. Whenever they said three days, it always is understood to also include three nights. Some church fathers, however, have said that you count the Holy Thursday as part of it because the passion began on Holy Thursday. So that would be the third night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Anyway, whichever way, the important thing is he had three nights of imprisonment. If you look at Thursday night, because he was really imprisoned by the guards, imprisonment Friday night and imprisonment Saturday night. So if you're looking at Jonah being imprisoned in the whale, Jesus being imprisoned really was Thursday night, Friday night and Saturday night because the imprisonment began on Holy Thursday. All right, anyway, this I think is very interesting. Um, to me, Jonah, or I should say to the church fathers, Jonah preached the word of God to those in Nineveh, and the scripture tells us they repented, all right, and they turned back to God. Jesus points out, though, that he's much greater than Jonah, as I just said earlier, but the Jews were not repenting. Jonah, here's the thing. Jonah preached to the Ninevites for only 40 days. Jesus preached to the Jews three years. Hmm. Jonah didn't do any miracles. Jesus did several. Yet the people repented with a lot less of the truth. People always write to me, Father Chris, you don't give enough credit 
to the Protestant brothers and sisters. You're always pointing out that the Catholics have the faith and the Protestant brothers and sisters do not have the truth of the faith. Okay. Yes, the Catholic faith has the fullness of the truth. Yes, it's true that the Protestants have a portion of it. Knowledge Jesus is God. God is part of God is Trinity. Jesus resurrected in three days. All right. I think that's an excellent point. And one of you who wrote to me online says, Father, you don't credit enough the Protestants. And I started thinking about that. And I'm like, you know what? In terms of the truth, I don't have to. Because the truth is the Catholic faith does have the fullness of the truth. No other religion does. But where I think this person is right, and the thing that I don't give enough credit to, is my own conversion. My own conversion came about in a lot of ways seeing the zeal of the Protestants in North Carolina. The Protestants in North Carolina, the Baptists there, have a portion of the truth. Just like the people of Nineveh. They only preached to 40 days. The Jews got Jesus three years. Jonah didn't work any miracles. Jesus worked several. Yet the people of Nineveh were on fire and they rejoiced and they repented and they caught fire with their faith and the Jews are like, eh. The Protestants in North Carolina are on fire with their faith. Beautiful. They have a portion of the truth. They were like Jonah only preaching to them for 40 days and they're jumping up and down in excitement and repentance. And yet... Here comes the Catholics in North Carolina, and they're like, eh. And so I'm like, man, that's right. That's the point. So I do credit non-Catholic Christians, because a lot of times they do twice as much with half the truth. Twice as much with half the truth. If we actually saw what we had in our faith, we should be doing more than the non-Catholic Christians, but we don't. The non-Catholic Christians love their faith so much more in some ways, not always, with a fraction of the truth that we have. Wow. So thank you for that comment online that I read and really made me reflect on that. So let's finish. <clears throat> Basically, the people of Nineveh repented without a sign. There's no miracles. And the Jews did not repent with a bunch of signs. Jesus right in front of you. I keep thinking back to that's how we Catholics are. We're like the Jews versus the Baptists who are like the Ninevites. Very powerful here. Now, <clears throat> they did not believe him, the Jews, and they didn't accept him as the Christ. Yet the Ninevites believe the message. And so at the time of judgment, the people of Nineveh will judge the Jews as guilty. Because they got it, the Jews did not. This is what Jesus is saying. They will judge you. So Jesus then mentions the Queen of Sheba, as I said, who heard Solomon's wisdom and came to hear him. God also shows more wisdom than Jesus, or in Jesus than he did in Solomon. Jesus, as I said, is wisdom itself. So what happened? She got it. So she will also judge the Jews because she saw Solomon and saw something great. The Jews are seeing something greater than Solomon and they don't see it. So she saw just Solomon with his wisdom and said, whoa, 
and the Jews see something greater than Solomon, and they're like, eh. He's saying she will judge you. And the Jews were shocked by this because they were supposed to be the chosen people. They were supposed to be the ones. So basically, this is what's going on here. The Jews saw Jesus. They didn't believe him. So the Sheba, this queen of the south, will charge them as guilty. He said there's something greater than Solomon here. And who was Solomon? Y'all remember who Solomon was? He was the son of David. Son of David? Well, isn't that what they call Jesus? Jesus is the son of David. So he's greater than this. Jesus is much greater than the biological son of David. Jesus is the heir to the kingdom of David. All right, so to finish, here's the images of Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba condemning the Jews would have frightened them. As I said, they expected that they were the true people and that on judgment day, they would be vindicated, not judged. Let us not fall into that trap. Let us not be spiritual prideful that because we've been given the fullness of the truth that we will be vindicated on judgment day, we too will be judged. Probably even more harshly because to whom much is given, much is expected, more is expected. So Jesus' claim to be greater than any of Israel's richest and wisest was audacious, the church fathers tell us. And by showing repentant Gentiles, which Nineveh was, Matthew emphasizes the importance of the Gentile mission. This is what Jesus did. You know, those who know just a little bit, like Ninevites or the Queen of Sheba, but do so much with it, like Protestants or even children, they will be the ones that are the most responsive. And Jesus says there's a lesson for us here. So let us not be prideful. Let us recognize that in the truth, we've been given. We need to respond. That's why it breaks my heart whenever I see somebody who's a baptized Catholic and is condemning the Catholic Church. To whom much is given, much is more is expected. So we've been given the fullness of truth in our faith. Let's not waste it. Don't be like the Jews who rejected it right in front of them. That's what we Catholics sometimes do. Let's be more like the Ninevites our Protestant brothers and sisters with half the truth do twice as much with it. A great lesson that God gives us not to fall into spiritual pride. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org.
for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.